Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. As we come to uh, Matthew 28, we come to kind of the crux of Christianity, really. And the passage that we'll, we'll study um, today is one that you've probably, if you've been in the church very long, you've probably studied this passage on your own or at least heard a, a couple of sermons about it. Um, but uh, this passage is often um, referred to as the Great uh, Commission um, this the the thing that that Jesus has called us to. So if there's not this, we we lack a lot of purpose in what is the point of being a Christian. And so today we're in Matthew 28, um, starting in verse 16, and uh, we'll bounce around a little bit in 28 to give it some more detail. But Matthew 28:16, and uh, it goes like this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. If you jot notes in your Bible, um, that might be a little asterisk there, because we're going to talk about that in a second. Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But what? Some doubted. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, everybody say all, all, we don't get a choice in that, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission. Go therefore. This is something that, that Christians, Christianity, we, we, this is what we're about if we are Christ followers. We are go therefore uh, Christ followers. We're, we're not sit down, we're not observed, we're not soak it in. That's not the point. It's to go. And if we're not going, um, we're, we're not walking with Christ. So let's go ahead and take it from the top. Verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When I was in my um, study this week for this message and I looked at that passage, I found this to be interesting. If you look back and say, well, did Jesus direct them? And what you're going to find is, well, yes, he directed them through the, the women at the tomb. Go back and, and, and take a look in verse, uh, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone, the resurrection day, and, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 7, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's been risen from the dead. And behold, he's going to go before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, ran to tell the disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshiped. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they'll see me. You see, when we get to verse 16, we, we, we see that the disciples had caught up to Jesus. They, they ended up 
at Galilee. And the scripture says, hey, just as Jesus had taught. But what I don't want you to miss is that Jesus did tell him to go, but he told him to go through the women. And, and, and many of us, we don't understand that God often speaks through the testimony of friends. God often speaks to you through the testimony of friends. This wasn't a direct verbal command for the disciples. Jesus said, hey guys, I want to meet you over there. It was, it was Jesus appeared to these women and said, hey, I, I want you to go tell them. Now, can you imagine in this day, in this day, women didn't have testimony in court. Women didn't have standing. We, we just, as a country, we're, uh, we're walking through the morning of, of Ruth Bader, uh, Bader Ginsburg, and in doing so, one of the biggest champions for women's rights. So you can rewind this sucker back 2,000 years and talk about what was going on for women's rights then. But these ladies, they were the ones that God chose to reveal himself to the rest of the world. He, they were the first witnesses of this resurrection. Now, can you imagine after these men, they said, hold on, we saw him whether he's dead. We're not doing what, get out of here. We're not chasing down this rabbit hole. We're in mourning still. We're still upset. Can you imagine if they just took the, the, the words of their friends and just said, eh, I'm dismissing that. But the reality is, is that God often, he has us in community because he will speak so oftentimes through the testimony of our friends. And that's why it's so key that we understand that. Now, obviously, the resurrection's first witnesses uh, were women. But what would the disciples have missed out had they ignored the testimony of these women? If they, if they looked and they just said, I'm not worried about what would what would have changed in their life? Now, obviously, God had a plan and God had a, had a trajectory. But so oftentimes, God will do his work with or without us. And if, had they denied the testimony of their friends, what if they would have missed out on from God? God often speaks through the testimony of friends. The question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, do, do we have friends that are walking with Jesus every day? Do we intentionally populate our lives with people that we know are walking with the Lord? Like they, they take it seriously. They wake up, they open up the word of God, they pray. And conversely, the real question for all of us that we need to seriously ponder this morning, are we those type of friends? Are we the type of friends to where if we say, hey, I really believe God is, is doing this work, or I really believe that God has put in my heart, this is, are we the type of people that the world can look at, our friends can look at and go, you know what? I don't know much, but I know Tolly walks with God. I don't, I don't know much, but, but I know that, that she walks with Jesus. And if, if she's troubled about this, I, I really should, should give it some more consideration. What I'm, what I'm afraid of is that inside of Christianity, many of us are just kind of glad to be saved. And, and what happens is we're not putting in the work, we're not putting in the time, we're not putting in the prayer life that would cause us to be able to tell our friend confidently, like I've heard from the Lord, like I know what he's doing in this season. Like, like, like be optimistic, be of hope, be of good cheer. How can we tell anybody that if we're not walking with him ourselves? And so one, do I have friends that I can go to and I can say, look, I know you walk with the Lord. And then secondly, am I the kind of friend that others could come to because they know that I'm walking with the Lord? You need friends that walk with Jesus and you need to be a friend to others who walk with Jesus. Christianity is not a solo sport. It is not for orphans. It is not for lone soldiers. 
Christianity is about community and what God is doing in and through all of us. And, and he calls in so many places, we're the body, we're, we're, we're the church, one stone laid on another, living stones, the scripture says. Um, we're also the royal priesthood. I'm supposed to be able to come to you and you come to me and we work together to understand kind of what is God doing in our lives, in our season. And so each one of us, it's invariably important that each one of us do our work to be a living stone before God so that when we're put together, we look like the body of Christ. That's why it's, each, it's important that each one are surrendered, each one are servants, each one are givers. Each one of us have to do that work because you rely on me and I rely on you. And whatever kind of church we're leaving to this world, when we're gone, it's going to matter, but it, it's going to look like whatever we did while we were alive. And so it's so important that you and I understand that the Great Commission is not like, hey, I'm just glad I'm in, I'm, I'm glad I'm in church this Sunday. No, the Great Commission is like, I've got to be that person for you, and you've got to be that person for me, that when we walk together, we're hearing the voice of God. But so oftentimes, in Western Christianity, we've kind of become captivated by the, this, this kind of setting. And our only setting is when there's a master teacher up front. And the only setting for our faith is to watch that person go to work or watch those a couple of singers. But that's not Christianity. Like this is good for encouraging and equipping. This is good for, for rah, rah, cheer you up, get you back out there, focus. It's good for coming together as a body and, and saying, okay, this is what we're doing. But man, Christianity is so much more. It, it's, it's are you praying with others throughout the week? It's are you in a Bible study where you're diving into God's word? It's, it's are we on mission helping other people or are we just writing checks? We, we can't, we, we've got to be the, the hands and the feet of Jesus and we've got to have our arms locked around each other in prayer. We, we've got to walk together in Christ. That's the great commission. It's when people look and just go, man, there's something different about that community, that body, those people. They're not just there to, to goof off. They have a, an agenda. And that's really what the great commission is about. Verse 17, though, it says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So oftentimes inside of the church, I, I got a call this week from um, a, a pastor, and it happens, it's kind of common, um, but pastor was like, hey, so-and-so, this person's name, they, they are coming to our church now, and they wanted, you know, I don't know what happened at your church, but they used to go there, like, blah, 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 blah. And so we chatted, and I, I um, gave some encouragement, and I gave some con uh, concern. But I was like, at the end of the day, like, I'm just so, super glad they're plugged in, and praise the Lord for, for what God's doing there at, at, at your place. But in, in all of that, when they, they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Many people, what happens is, is that many people will go into a church or be a part of a church. And many of us have the habit of seeing the wrong thing more than we see the right thing. See the brokenness more than we see the good. And what can happen is we kind of want a place where we always feel comfortable and we always feel like it fits. And the danger, though, is that we would look back at this. this is, these are the disciples. Like, I want you to understand, this is the people here. It says that some worshiped him. Can you imagine walking in and you guys had all been with Jesus and he was crucified and the women come. They're like, no, 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 he's alive now. We don't know how, but he told me, come to Galilee. You come to Galilee, it checks out, there's Jesus. And you still have some friends that are like, I don't know. 
Can you imagine being in that moment? And then you look around at that group and you're just like, am I in the right group? And we look over and it's just like, yeah, but, but look, there's, there's, there's some that are worshiping. Like there's a handful that have just like get it right away and they're there and they're down on the ground. They're just like crying out to God, Jesus is here. And there's a couple in the corner that are just like, I don't know. And you might be tempted to go, yeah, you see those people in the corner? They're not, they don't, they're not giving the right response they should give right now. And what does that say about this whole group? Because look at the people, look at these guys. They're, they're messed up. They're jacked up. I don't want to be a part of that group. I need a group where everybody's doing it. And when, when it's inevitably and there's no freedom for people to, to worship and to seek the Lord together, when there's no freedom in that, what happens is you don't necessarily get a house full of people that are all in the, right, the same direction. What you end up getting are some people who look around and go, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do? Okay. And then we feel good and we're just like, see, this is, this is a holy house. Church, I got news for you. God always shares his perfect gospel through imperfect people. He's always been doing it. Even his disciples that he walked with and gave three years with, there were some that still weren't there. Do you remember even before he died, he was like, hey, come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to go over here and pray. Can you just stay awake and pray while I pray? Can you do that? And what'd they do? <clears throat> miracle after miracle after miracle, and then you're just going to go asleep on Jesus. He's always used broken people. And it's such a danger to us as a church if we, we look and we go, well, I'm, I'm not seeing what I should be seeing about people, so I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to go find me a group where everybody's, and it's like, that's the danger. We've got to understand that, no, 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 here's the deal. There's going to be days where I'm not going to be hitting on all cylinders. There's going to be days where you're not hitting on all cylinders. The question is, are we moving towards Jesus together? After all the miracles, all the testimony, seeing Jesus resurrected, still some doubted. While we trust another's testimony, our faith has to be our own. While we trust another's testimony, our faith has to be our own. When we get before Jesus, each one of us, it's not a, it's not a group. Each one of us have to have that faith. And so you in your life, it doesn't matter what church you put yourself in. It doesn't matter what Christian community you put yourself around. The question of whether or not you're growing spiritually or you will grow spiritually has to do with what do you see when you see Jesus? And when you see the, the world spinning off into chaos, when you see the news reports, when you see the next media fight, like does that stir you more than grace? Does that stir you more than God's mercy? Does that stir you more than heavenly hope? We have to build out this faith of ours. But then Jesus goes into an area that, that's the Great Commission. And I really believe it, he gives us an outline. He gives us some opportunity to go, you know what? I could face anything in this world. Look what it says in verse 18. And Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority. Everybody say all authority. All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. I, 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 I want you to understand we have an authority. His name is Jesus. We have an authority. 
You see, I was, as I was doing this, I'm like, you know, Tali, people aren't going to get that. They're just going to, because people, they think of authority. And the first time they thought about authority was when they were in kindergarten and the teacher took their blocks away and told them they had to go eat their lunch. Like, that's an authority figure. And ever since then, authorities have just been jerks, right? And so we read that and we're just like, Jesus is like, all authority. And we're just like, I don't know if I'm, I'm down with you then. Like, author- I have authority issues. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I want to pull away from all authority. But no, look at, look at what type of authority he had. He had. Jesus had authority over creation. If you're jotting notes, write it down. He's, a, he's the authority over creation. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, uh, the word, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him there was anything made that wasn't made. There was nothing made that was made without Jesus. In him was life, and life was in the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus has the authority over all creation. There's nothing that's been made that was outside of Jesus' plan. But he's also the authority over sickness and disease. There's several examples, but a few that you might recall. A a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Remember that story? He heals her. Jesus went to every town and village. In Matthew 9.35, it says, He went to every town and village. He, He taught in their meeting places and preached the good news about the kingdom. Jesus also healed every kind of disease and sickness, it says in Matthew 9. The first reference is Matthew 9, 20 and 22. Third reference, the The lepers. Ten lepers are healed, and the story is that one came back to thank him. Luke 17, 12 to 16. Ten lepers get healed by Jesus, and only one comes back to be grateful. Have you ever experienced that in your own life? <laughs> like, you help lots of people, and you care for lots of people, and you don't feel like you're getting respect? Like, go ahead and read that story. How'd you like to be the savior of the world? <laughs> and like, uh, look at what we've seen already this morning. Like nine out of 10 people that he had healed in this group didn't even come back to say thank you. Like his disciples who he walked with for three years, they couldn't even stay awake. And once he died and resurrected and he met him up in Galilee, then some of them still doubted him. And you think you and I have respect problems? <laughs> like he's Jesus. The blind man at the Siloam pool in John chapter nine, Jesus healed him. Remember the we, uh, the, hey, go wash off in the pool, wash your eyes. Countless times Jesus performed miracles to demonstrate his authority over the powers of this earth that make us yearn for heaven. But he has authority not only over sickness and disease, but, and not only over creation, but authority over sin. In Mark 2, 5 to 12, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. So he's, he's seeing this, this guy who can't move, laying on the ground. And he's like, hey, I forgive you of your sin. And the religious leaders of the day, they do a great job. Now the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? <laughs> blink, 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 blink. And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, take your bed, and walk? But that you might know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say, pick up your bed, rise, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and he went before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus has authority over sin. And listen, this is what I want you to understand. To Jesus... 
The physical miracles were secondary to the power of forgiveness. To him, he's looking at, 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 at the humans and, and the scribes, and he's like, guys, which do you think is more powerful? You, you think it's a bigger deal if I help this kid get up and walk? Like, that's what you think the big deal is? Let me tell you something. The big deal is that you would be forgiven from your sin. Like, you, you have outright defied God. You have outright done your own thing. You have played God your whole life. You think you're God. That's the bigger deal is to forgive you from that offense, not to just tell you to get up and walk. But we get it in reverse, don't we? Many of us, even as Christ followers, we can find ourselves in, in that hole of despair over a sickness, an illness, a disease. And we know mentally, like we're not promised forever, but just watching disease happen, it makes us, it, it gets our anxiety up and it gets our emotions riled. And we get really, and, and, and Jesus is looking and he's like, listen, the bigger miracle is the forgiveness of sin. In this world, you'll have trouble, but I'll overcome the world. And, and, and if you're a Christ follower, when you're done with this earth, you're coming straight to me. So why are we worried? But he's looking at them and he's like, you know what? I have authority over sin and that is actually the bigger authority. But he also has authority over death itself. Remember Jairus' daughter? The, the, the woman that had the 12 years of blood, um, she was in a, there was interruption there because Jairus, this... this uh, this, this um, Jewish leader, religious leader, he came over and he's like, hey, you know, I got a daughter who's about to die. I could really use your help. And then while they're going back to heal the daughter, that's when the, the woman with the blood jumps in and, and Jerry's just standing there like, what the heck, my daughter's dying. Like, why are we stopping? It says, and when he had entered, they entered the room, Jesus entered the room and said, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Like, when I read the Bible sometimes, I'm like, I know I'm not holy enough yet. Because, like, how I would react if I was Jesus. Like, what if you could just zap people away? <laughs> and you're walking in to do a miracle and, like, bring this kid back to life and, like, people are laughing at you? I, would, I got one of these yellow bug zappers at the house. And I, I, it is horrible how much it reveals my own like broken heart. Because like, I have zero problem swatting a bee or a fly with those things. And it zaps them. It's like the electrified version and you hold two things together. And if your kids get out of line, I mean, never mind. <laughs> but he walks in and they're just laughing at him. How many times did Jesus get laughed at? How, how many times it's like, hey, you're going to ha have a baby. God, God reveals. And he's like, they laugh. Hey, I'm going to heal this girl. They laugh. Hey, I'm on the cross dying for you. And they laugh and they play games to, take, to divide up his clothing. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, rise. 
And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. You see, it's so important to understand Jesus' authority in your life. When we hear that word, we hear negative connotations. We hear, oh, I don't want an authority figure. No, no, no. You want someone in this chaotic world where all the waves are smashing against your life and all of the emotions are raging and all the people that you trust kind of go in and out and they do things you don't like and they come close and they go all this stuff going on you want an authority in your life you want Jesus in your life because you want to know somewhere there's a solid rock that won't move somewhere there's a final answer I, I, I can't fathom being a person in this world and having no firm foundation other than whatever I take on that next day Jesus is that firm foundation. He is that authority. And my friends, we've got to live like it. We, we've got to live like he has authority over sin. He's got authority over sickness. He's got authority over creation. He's got authority over death, hell, and the grave itself. He's got authority over all of this. We've got to live like we serve a God who has authority. And under his authority, we've got to know that we're in good shape. Whatever might come. And that's where the rest comes in. Because whatever you face, Jesus has authority. And so I've got two decisions every single day of my life. I can worship or I can worry. I, I can worship today or I can worry with today. I, I, I can panic or I can pray. These are choices that I have every single day and you do too. But if you don't realize that Jesus has authority over all things and you live like he does then you will find yourself more worrying than worship. You will find yourself more panicking than you do praying. And you will find yourself just as uncertain in the waves of this life as anybody else. But he comes to you and he says, you're my child. You're my child. You should hear my voice. You should know me. You should walk with me. I've got your back. I've got your best interest. And no, it might not work out right now, but I'm still your God. I've got authority over all of this. So then he says in verse 19, so, so we look and we're just like, wow, trust the testimony of people. I understand the authority of Jesus. Now, if I trust the testimony of people and if I understand the authority of Jesus over my life, then Jesus speaks to me and says, you know what? Then, then go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. So not only do we have an authority, but we have an assignment. We have an assignment, and that assignment is to make disciples. That's our assignment as Christians. If, if we're not going to do that part, if we're not going to do what God is doing, God is moving in this world trying to draw people to himself, how are we Christians if we won't do what Christ wants us to do? He's called us to make disciples. Inside of the church, there's this big sword fight that I think is completely ridiculous. It's about whether, you know, does this mean evangelism or does this mean Bible study? It's like, no, 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 they're both it's both making this you can't make a disciple unless you evangelize and share the gospel but you also can't make a disciple if once they're they're in christianity then you don't talk to them anymore about the word of god but it's both and too often times christianity in churches we end up taking on an identity of one or the other and we end up failing it at both because we end up isolating all the bible scholars together and then we have a whole a church of people that's like, hey, we're all for the lost, all for the lost, and then we don't really have much depth in our understanding of theology. And we need to be both. We need to be both. 
We have to make disciples. Our purpose is to know, enjoy, and share the goodness of God through Jesus. Our purpose is to know, enjoy, and share the goodness of God through Jesus. That's why we're here. Our lives should reflect that. And Jesus says, you know what? Behold, I am with you always. Everybody say always. 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 Hey, I'm your authority. I have authority over creation. I have authority over sin. I have authority over death, hell, and the grave. I have authority over sickness. And I'm telling you, go out and tell people about me. Go out and tell people that I'm a good God. Go out and tell people that I've been with you. But also, I want you to understand as you do that, you're never alone. We have an assurance, church. We have an assurance. We have an authority. We have an assignment. We have an assurance. The assurance is that Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. In this chaotic and turbulent world, while we're out here trying to be on mission, telling people about God's love, we need to understand He is with us. We're not alone. We're, we're, we're not just walking aimlessly. We're not fighting, as the, the Scripture says, as uh, someone that's just beating the air. Jesus is with us. You and I have to understand that God Himself is with us. And I am not alone. I, I might feel alone when, when I say, man, which, which friend do I have that, that is walking with Jesus? Am I alone in that? We might feel alone when we're worshiping and some are standing on the side doubting. We might feel alone if, like Jarius, we have a family member that we're begging God to heal and all these other interruptions seem to get in the way and we just wonder, does God even care about our family member? We may feel alone, but this is where our faith has to kick in and we have to understand, I am never alone. If I am in Christ, He has promised to never leave me nor forsake me. And so because I am never alone, how am I going to live in this world? Am I going to just soak up all that the flesh can stand? Or am I going to say, you know what? I'm a spiritual being who happens to be in the flesh right now. And therefore, I'm going to go and do what God's called me to do. He has called me to be confident in his authority. He has called me to go and to tell other people about his love. And he has called me to understand that I'm never alone in all this. The enemy, Satan, would love for you to feel like you're isolated, would love to feel like nobody cares about you, would love to feel like nobody understands your pain or your problems, love to feel like God has abandoned you. But the moment we give in to that, we're losing one of the very tenets Jesus gave us in the Great Commission was to say, I will never leave you. You are not alone. You're mine. I've got my eye on you. And so with the authority of God, we can find comfort and rest. With the assignment of God, we can find purpose in our being. And with the fact that, that we have an assurance from God that we're never alone, we can walk through this life with our chest out and our chin up, knowing that there's a reason we're here. I always summarize that. I tell often for shorthand, I say, if you're not dead, God's not done. And we've got to understand that, that God is not done. He wants us to join him in his, in his forever work. We're, we're in this stage where it could be so easy as a church to get caught up in the, you know, hey, where are we meeting right now? And when's the next? What are we going to do about the building? And what about coronavirus? And what about the election? And blah, 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 blah. We can get caught up in all that junk. Or what we can do is just go, you know what? Am I a friend that walks with Jesus? 
am I friends with those who are walking with Jesus? As we're walking with Jesus, do I have full assurance of who God is in, in my life? And am I living out my assignment to go and to make disciples? And if I'll do those things, if I understand those things, no matter what's going on in the outside world, I can know I have eternal purpose that God is at work in my life right now and it really doesn't matter what you do or say to me. If I'm not dead, God's not done. And when he's done and I fulfill my assignment, he'll call me home. That pattern of living gives us confidence and grace and love and we worship more than we worry and we, we pray far more than we panic. That is the calling to be a Christian. That's why we're here. And when we get off of that, so many other things cloud our judgment. But the calling today is to get back to Jesus. Is Jesus the center of our affection? Does he have authority? Are we at peace with all of this? Will we go when he says go? Will we do what he says do? Will we find our satisfaction in him or in things of the world? Let us run the race before us with Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. He has authority over creation, sin, sickness, even death. Does he have authority over your human heart? If so, let's leverage all that we have so that more people will know him and more people will help to make him known. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that in this world of, of topsy-turvy living and, and waves crashing against the shore and everybody's in a panic all the time, everybody's in a hurry all the time, God, we thank you that we know you and we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you indeed are our authority. You have authority over this whole world. No matter what people say is going wrong, we can sit back and understand that you have authority over it. But God, you've also called us and given us assignment. We pray, God, that we would get back on track. May we be the friend that walks with you. That's where we can start. We can't start with fixing the world. We can't start with the plans that we've laid out before you. We, we can't. That's all complicated. God, where we can start, though, is spending time with you. So, Father, I pray that you would develop in us a deep desire to know you. And, God, for those of us that might be on the side doubting, I pray, God, that we would worship. I pray, God, that, that we would pray. I pray, God, that we would be connected with you. Father, you use broken people. And no matter how broken, no matter how long it's been since we've really walked with you and had a passionate relationship with you, God, you can use us too. So I pray right now, even with your children, that you would draw children in this room, draw children that are watching online, draw them to you again. Let today be a fresh restart. We can restart any day we want, any moment we want. All we have to do is repent, come back, turn around, and say we're sorry, we love you. God, would you grow us to be that friend for somebody else. And God, would you remind us that we're never, ever alone, that all the authority has been given to you and you've been given to us. So you love us and you want to walk with us every single day. Help us, God, to go out into this world confident, knowing that the God of the universe walks with us. Let us serve, let us love, let us cherish each other, let us give, let's give out mercy generously. And Father, let's do the work of of what you've called us to do. Let's go make disciples. 
It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Can we thank God for his word this morning?